Welcome back to the Kaiku Podcast. Chris is here. Hello. We've got a bit of a different start to this episode, and hopefully uh, most of the subsequent episodes. Um, I decided that I have too many things on my shelf, uh, while Chris and I both do. <laughs> but our plan here is to um, talk about our Akira Kurosawa collection from from the start of it to the end of it. Uh, everything that Criterion has put out once per episode. This will be the opening segment. Uh, as always, I'll have the show notes that says here's where the actual discussion of the thing begins. So you will you'll skip over our Kurosawa if you aren't into it. But Why would uh, you not be into it? I don't understand. They're wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've mentioned it a lot of times on the podcast that, you know, doing the podcast gets my butt in gear to watch these things that are in my backlog, like Chihaya Furu sitting around or some other, uh, some other anime or manga that I actually own and spent money on that I just never read or watched. Uh, so this is, this is good because Lord knows that I, uh, I may have more movies unwatched than I do anime and manga, but we don't, we never know. Yeah. My shelves are bowing from all the things that I have unwatched. Yeah, and, and hopefully hopefully we don't stick to just the Criterion released Kurosawa, but yeah. I mean that that literally takes up at least eighty five percent of his output. So I mean we're not going to be straining for content or anything just if we stick only to what Criterion has released. Yeah, and it's not like we're constraining ourselves to only Kurosawa here. Uh, we could break it up every so often with a different movie that we happen to have on our shelves. Like, I have Noah still sticking on my shelf, and I'm sure Chris has uh, eight pages worth of content to talk about that movie. Yeah. Was it only eight pages? Yeah, I don't remember. That's <laughs> still a lot. Uh, I love Noah. Yeah, we could do, like, all of Aronofsky's films, which yep. I've actually seen. Um, I can make Corey watch John Carpenter's movies. You know, we can, we can, do, we can do whatever we want to do, but Kurosawa is... You know, one of the most renowned film directors ever, and I own like 16 of his movies, and I've only watched like seven. Yeah, <laughs> so. it goes with uh, the weeby thing, the theme of the podcast. Uh, he's still Japanese, so it counts sort of. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but at least the intent for now is to get stuff off of our to-watch shelf, <laughs> starting with first hour. Uh, and this first one is the first films that Criterion has released. From uh, Akira Kurosawa called Sangchigo Sugata, and then he he had another film in 1944, and then in 1945 he made Sangchigo Sugata Part Two, which we will be talking about both Sugata films. Uh, Chris, you want to break it down for us? Um, sure. So uh, Sangchigo Sugata um, is Kurosawa's first uh, film as a director. It was uh, based on a novel that came out like the same year, like 1942 or 1943 by what is his name? The, these liner notes are so dense. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to find it, but it's based off of a novel, novel. by Suneo Tomita. There you go. Um, and so Sanshiro Sugata is um, some people may have heard of it because in uh, English speaking countries, it was released as uh, Judo Saga. So the, the, the first film 
it follows the the main character whose name is Sanchiro Sugata. He just arrived, um, newly arrived to the city of uh, Yokohama, I believe, where he wants to study jujitsu. So when he first arrives into the city, he finds this incredibly uh, respected jujitsu dojo. And he's just kind of sitting there hanging out with the guys um, while they're just getting drunk and shooting the shit around a, a, a hot pot. And then it, 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 you, you slowly start to listen to these guys and you find out that one of their members, uh, Yano, had actually broken away from their jujitsu dojo and had started his own variant on jujitsu, um, and that is judo. Um, I don't know if this is actually like the, the birth of judo or anything, but that's just, <laughs> that's the story the movie is telling me. Um, so all the jujitsu dojo guys, they go out to try to ambush, uh, Yano. He's on his way, um, through the city in a, in a rickshaw. Uh, for people who don't know what a rickshaw is, you totally know what a rickshaw is. It's the one person cart with a, with a, a kind of a hood on it with giant wheels that is pulled by a person. Uh, so if you watch, uh, Japanese films or anime or manga that typically tend to take place um, in the early 1900s or pre-1900s, you will have seen um, characters being pulled in a rickshaw. I think they had it in Jackie Chan Adventures, too. It's, it's possible. It's, it's a pretty iconic mode of transportation, even though I'm not sure it's as widely used nowadays because cars exist. Um, <laughs> but so the, the, the dojo guys, they go out and they go to ambush Yano, and Yano just very swiftly beats the living snot out of everybody. So uh, Sanchiro Sugata, he, he went with them, you know, to observe how amazing their jujitsu was. And once he sees Yano beat the snot out of him, he begs him to allow him to be his apprentice, his disciple. Um, it flashes forward, I think, about five years or three three years. Trying to, it, it wasn't very clear. I'm just trying to piece together timelines from both movies. Uh, the first movie starts in uh, 1882. The second movie starts in 1887. But it talks about the events of the first film as if they were only two years prior. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that it was a three-year gap. Um, now Sanchiro Sugata is now this awesome judo, um, not 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 master, but he's a He's really good at judo, but he's also a, a cocky son of a bitch. So he just like goes out and gets drunk and picks fight with fights with everybody and starts judo throwing them all over the street. Like that, that actually is a whole scene where he's just judo throwing this everybody in this crowd in the middle of the street because he's, you know, look how big of a badass I am. So, I, so after that, he gets disciplined by um, his teacher Yano Sensei, and he's barred from practicing in any matches for like six months. And it just so happens that at that exact time, um, a stranger in completely Western clothing, uh, he looks, you know, very much like a British dapper type of dude with a top hat, a curly Q mustache and a, a pipe or whatever. Um, his name is uh, Higaki-san. Uh, so he practices another branch of jujitsu. And he wants to challenge Yano 
to to a match to see, you know, is your brand new judo better than my traditional branch of jujitsu? And that, that, that's sort of the story that the first film follows. Um, we're just watching Sanshiro Sugata evolve and grow as a person. It, it's more about him maturing, not just as a martial artist, but but as an individual, as these series of events are continually putting his personhood and his lifestyle choice, which is uh, following judo, under attack, under fire, under question. Um, I won't go much further into the plot of it uh, because, you know, that defeats the purpose of watching the movies. <laughs> uh, you did uh, miss something important about the first Sanchez Gosibaga film, though. Um, at the very beginning, it says... Uh, due to wartime rules, like 1,800 feet of film was cut from the movie. No, it was it was like 18 was shot. Oh, okay. Um, it, 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 so it, it amounted to like 17 minutes of footage was edited without uh, Kurosawa's involvement by the Japanese government. Yeah. Um, and, and that footage has never been found. So um, the the DVD release from Criterion is a uh, is is a re-release print from 1950 that Toei put out. Um, so yeah, it was released in 1943, had 17 minutes, give or take, um, removed by the government and released without Kurosawa's involvement. Uh, so in 1950, they, they, Toei wanted to try to go back and rebuild the film to its, its proper structure and length. Uh, but they were, they, they could not find those 17 minutes. Like they're, they're just completely gone. Uh, so the film starts off with that uh, disclaimer, and that is the film that you know. That's 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 all that exists. That's all you can watch. You you will not be able to go find the uncut version anywhere. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, that is very interesting though. That like there's something in here due to the war that the Japanese didn't want to show at all. Well, and the interesting part is 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 you can see where the footage was was excised from. Um, so we don't know if it was a censorship. Uh, like the the Japanese government objected to the content, or if it was like no, the movie's too long, because uh, the movie as it stands now is like right at eighty minutes. It's seventy nine minutes long. Yep. Um. So maybe they had like a length requirement because that that disclaimer only states uh the the wartime entertainment law. Uh. So we don't know exactly why, but in the middle of the film. Uh, there just becomes a whole section where there, it uh, it no longer starts showing you movie and it starts uh, scrolling through um, some title cards and, it, and it, a narrator tells you what is happening in this part of the story. So that's best guess. That's what was removed from the film. Yeah, that's what um, I assume too, because the second yeah. the second film doesn't have those uh, cut up things where it says here's what happened while. Japanese government was fucking with my film. <laughs> yeah, um, and in the the based off of the title cards, the content doesn't seem objectionable at all. So um, it does. Uh, getting into the actual movie, it does make one part of it seem weird because it's like here's the part that focuses on this girl, and then there's like ten or twenty minutes before they even show that person. <laughs> Yeah, so the so it all it all stems from this first match. Um, so Sanchiro Sugata um, was sanctioned. You know, he was allowed to participate in a match uh, from a rival dojo. It turns out it's the original Jiu-Jitsu dojo um, from the very beginning of the film. 
And so uh, Sugata's suspension was lifted. So he has the match with uh, the leader of that dojo, uh, Moma, and Sugata kills the dude um, in the in in the course of the match. Um, so so now you have like Moma's. It, it didn't make it clear if it was his wife or his daughter or who this girl was, but you have uh, what I assume was Moma's wife, just like super hating on him and wants to murder him. I think it was his daughter. I think that's what the uh, middle card thing said. Okay. Well, 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 there was another. There was another girl who was the daughter of um, Takeshi Shimura's character. Okay. Yeah, um, his daughter. Yeah. So it, it, it's really weird, and it, it kind of goes down this: this girl wants to get revenge on Sugata, and then boom, there's the the missing footage, um, where it's basically. Sugata had to spend some time reflecting on his life uh, because he was really upset that he killed this guy. Like, obviously, it wasn't intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it comes back, and now they're prepping for this other match with uh, the leader of another Jojo, Dojo, not Jojo, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, who's played by Takeshi Shimura, who um, Takeshi Shimura is one of my favorite Japanese actors. If you watch any amount of Kurosawa films, you'll have seen him. Um, he's in Seven Samurai. He's in Rashomon. Uh, really memorable face. Um, and then from that, that character's daughter um, is praying for his safety, and Sugata and her kind of start this not real relationship, but they kind of run into each other a lot and become friends, and it kind of adds internal conflict to Sugata, who is preparing to beat the crap out of her dad. Um, but the first girl, Moma's daughter, after her attempted assassination attempt, like she's completely dropped from the plot. Uh, you have no idea what became of any of that because that's right around where it just flips over to title cards and says Sugata is sad. Uh, yeah, (laughs) this, this movie is, uh, it's a really good, like, exploration of Sugata's, Sugata's life and, uh, trying to learn these martial arts and going through several stages of uh, several stages of life in martial art but uh, all these all these cuts make it feel really weird yeah um, I, th- I, I thought it was pretty good though um, yeah. it, 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 the film is shot pretty well um, it's got really good camera angles really good shots uh, the editing was really nice except for when it just kind of jumps around because of the the deep cuts that were made. Yeah, it's really um, dark sometimes too. Uh, I don't know if like he actually filmed in the dark or if um, he put some filter on it, but it looked it looks like it was day for night. So um, if you do a day for night filter incorrectly, it comes out across looking way darker than it actually would. Yeah. Um, you you, I'm I'm guessing that based off of the 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 sky. So in those scenes when it's really, really dark, if you look at the sky, the sky is super, super bright. It just kind of looks kind of grayish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's a pretty good giveaway that they did day for night shots. And that's, that, that is really tricky to do. Most movies that try to do day for night end up just making it look pitch black. Like you can't tell what's happening on the screen. Yeah. I cannot tell what was happening <laughs> very well on the screen. Um, but no, I think this is actually a pretty good movie. Uh, it, it it feels 
So one of the things that Kurosawa is really credited for, yes, this movie came out in 1943, but he's basically the guy who changed Japanese cinema. Um, there's the way that they did it, the, that movies were made before Kurosawa, and then there's the way movies were made after Kurosawa. And so th- this film, while it's incredibly old and you can, and th- th- there's nothing modern about it, just the the structure and the pacing felt um, felt very modern to me. Um, it was it, it it engaged me with its action and its characters, um, and I I, th- I thought it was just a really well done action film that had all these character moments without it being this crazy chop socky like if you go if you go in looking for judo action and expecting like Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan flashiness like you're not going to get that it it looks like they're not really trying but I don't know judo so <laughs> I'm just I'm probably wrong um but it, 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 there was some not particularly like movies but like some anime that some of these scenes really were reminding me of in the way that they were structured and paced so no I really I really I really dug it and I can see it's it's not up there with his better movies, of course, but I mean it feels like a Kurosawa film. It feels like it feels like him in, in you know he has his touch on the film itself, and so it's not like you watch you know some director's first film. You're like, oh man, wow, what an amateur, and he got good later. It's like no, Kurosawa is actually pretty good at the start. Of course, he got better. But it's it's not like he was a slouch, and these movies are are not any good. It's like the the technical stuff that's getting a lot better with the uh, the night scenes in particular, but um, some of the action scenes as well, like when he throws Loma, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he throws him, that's like a, a hokey Super Sentai kind of effect. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, with with some of these spikes, you can also, or at least I can, uh, kind of feel the beginning spirits of Seven Samurai, Seven Samurai in here. Yeah, and, and I, I, the just the simple presence of Takeshi Shimura, like he just he just adds so much to the movies that he's in, um, and his character is is kind of similar to his character in Seven Samurai, just like the way he carries himself. Um, you know, I didn't want to get into the plot too much, but like at the end of the movie, before the final fight, like that was that was like my favorite part in the whole thing because it was very typical without being specific anime style where you know after you defeat your enemies they become your friends, <laughs> and I just I loved it and I thought it was really cool. Like nowadays we 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 roll our eyes at it because every anime or shonen fighting anime in existence does that. But it just it felt really good and it felt really sweet watching it in this movie. Uh, uh, have you ever seen Ip Man? No, I have not. This reminds me a little of it. Um, like there's nothing where because uh, Ip Man is set in China. It's, I think it's China because he was he was Bruce Lee's teacher. Yeah, uh, it's like set in China. The Japanese invade and like that's. That's the thing. It's Chinese versus Japanese in there, and um, Hitman is the uh, titular mar- martial artist, like trying to fight off uh, both invading martial artists and also the invading Japanese. Uh, but Tsugaya 
there's a lot of stuff with psychedelics doing this as well. Um, maybe the book took some of that inspiration. I don't know. No, that was after that. What am I thinking of? Yeah, I have no idea. Well, well, the Santros who got to that book was in the 40s. Yeah, Ip Man was in the 50s. Uh, whenever the Japanese invaded the Chinese. I don't know. I'm googling it. Okay. 1937 to 1945. Yeah, so that's that's this time period that the the book was written and the film was made. Yeah. Uh, but if I remember correct, the, the Sanchiro Sugata story is actually derived from um, a person, Saigo Shiro, is, is who this is based off of. One of the earliest disciples of Judo, uh, together with Sinajiro Tomita. Became okay. first in the history of judo to be awarded Shodan by the founder of judo, Jigoro Kano. Shodan is the highest rank, presumably. I can only assume so, yes. I think so. Uh, based on my extensive anime watching knowledge. <laughs> it's cartoons, they get you every time. Well, uh, fairy tale, they say, uh, I think Shogai for first master, so. Shogun is probably first on. Well, I'm going to click on it. It is beginning degree, lowest black belt. Okay. Yep, first Don. But if he's the first one, then he's probably the highest ranking at the time. Yes. <laughs> he's the first first Don. Yeah. So, that's pretty good. Alright. But no, it's not true. very good. Um, Sugaksa as a league is very likable too. He has that kind of baby face. Yeah, the the whole way he uh, scratches his head. Yeah, uh, that's something like that. Um, to going back to Takeshi Shimura, his character in Seven Samurai does the the very a very similar type of head scratching moment mo- movement. Um, yeah, no, he was a good lead, good character, yeah. good movie. Corey, what about Part Two? Part you, Two. Yeah. Uh, part two is, uh, released in 1945. It is super hateful toward Americans. Uh, for good reason. Because, uh, you know, 19, 1945, around the end of World War II, uh, we have, uh, bombed the Japanese. We have also, uh, occupied Japanese areas, trying to make it more democratic, trying to make it more American. Um, I believe around this time they were, um, like using old Japanese artwork to wrap their fish in because they like didn't have any paper and they wanted to get rid of the the Japanese-ness of Japan and wanted to make it more American, or at least Western. Um, but uh, Kurosawa is obviously uh, denying that with the, for the opening scene where uh, Sugata runs into a American sailor who is like... The acting for the sailor is about as good as any American acting that you'd see in an anime. Well, no, it was actually his real voice, though, so, like, he's speaking, like, good English. I know, but he's so awful. <laughs> well, yes, true. He's probably just, like, some sailor that uh, was a weeb before weeb existed, and Kurosawa was like, hey, you want to be in a movie? So the interesting thing is, is this actually isn't a post-war movie. Um... I looked it up. This this film was released in May of 1945, so this was even before the the bombs got dropped. Oh, is it? 
Yeah. So this was taken like, so it, it was released right around the time that the, that World War II was ending in Europe, uh, with Hitler committing suicide and mm-hmm. all that shit going down. But the, the war was still strong in Japan until September that year. Um, so where did he even get an American English speaking <laughs> sailor, um, in the middle of World War II to, to act in this movie? Like what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there was. I mean, I'm sure there was uh, Americans in Japan at the time that uh, would rather ally themselves with Japan than America. Yeah. I, I was reading about this. Uh, this this will be a tangent, but I was reading about this thing where uh, in in America and around this time and earlier they passed a law that said any woman married to a, an immigrant lost her American citizenship. So once the war started and World War One started, which now that I think about it, that was a while ago, uh, before this, <laughs> once World War One started, people, women who were married to Japanese immigrants had to then register as enemies of the state, uh, which, you know, that's all sorts of fucked up. I'm sure there were people in Japan, white people, uh, American people in Japan, that um, preferred to with the Japanese on this and, or maybe yeah. he's just like an actor that was just like hey you'll pay me I'll, I'll go over to Japan and see I guess which would be even weirder because this is it, it's totally a propaganda film I don't even know so the liner notes don't doesn't really shed light onto it um, but but Kurosawa didn't want to make a sequel but Toei said no nah, we made money <laughs> you know you're going to make a sequel yeah, the, um, the sequel. And, and so so we don't know if it's Kurosawa's idea to turn it into a propaganda film, or if that was from some higher entity that that pushed these propaganda pieces into the film. Yeah, uh, the sequel felt very uh, tacked on rather than uh, it wasn't it wasn't very good. I yeah. didn't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> rather than like a a good continuation of Sugak's, uh, Sugak's story, because the first film ending very. Very roundly, you didn't you didn't need any more from that. Um, the I feel like if they didn't have this American section, <laughs> it might be a better movie. I don't know. The, like the the other half of the movie, I didn't really care for either. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it as much as the first movie, obviously, but I liked it more than the first part because, uh, regardless of who your propaganda is against, I'm not really for propaganda. Well, that's a, that's a good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so, so what is the basic idea behind part two? What is the story trying to trying to do? What is it? What is it about, Corey? I, don't I did the first one. You do the second one. I don't know. So, oh. like, okay. what, what is it trying to do besides so, uh, this first part being propaganda against Americans, and the second part doesn't seem to grow Sugaki's character any. Uh, it's just like a continuation of things that happened to him in the first one that Kurosawa was like, well, if I can make this propaganda thing, I might as well try to make it good. Yeah. Um, so, so what, 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 what the, what the movie tries to do, it's, it's really weird. Um, so the quote unquote villain of the first film, Higaki, um, now, um, so that, like, if we ignore the propaganda bits, the, the main story of Sanchez Sugata Part 2 is Higaki's younger two brothers 
rolling up into town, you know, spoilers for the first film, rolling up into town to get revenge for Sugata beating up their older brother. Um, and then that's basically it. So like the two brothers show up, they're, they're idiosyncratic. They're kind of weird. Um, but they're not the, the really boastful, uh, caricature that Kurosawa would do in his later movies. They're still more traditional, but they're, they're very weird. Um, so it, that, that in itself is kind of interesting, but nothing happens. Like they show up and they say, Sugata, we're going to beat you up. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then they walk away. <laughs> and then he just like talks to people for, for a while. And then the two brothers show back up later. It, it's not a really solid thread. Um, the, be- the best way to talk about part two, I think, is to talk about its themes, which even the themes itself that, that I was able to pick up completely fail the movie. Um, so in the first film, one of the biggest things that I got from it was that we should not stick to the tradition that a- as we advance as people, you know, our traditions can also advance. We, 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 there's always room to improve. So that's with the whole, uh, judo thing. You know, judo is brand new. It's a bastardization. And so it's this whole, no, we, we need to be able to push forward. Judo may, may not be traditional, but that doesn't mean that it is not of value. Meanwhile, in, in part two, the whole film is Sugata battling himself about keeping the traditional values. Um, it's literally the exact same. It, it's um, so with, with the, the American propaganda part, there's the bit at the beginning where, you know, the sailor is harassing and beating around a rickshaw carryman. Uh, and Sugata beats him up. This <laughs> totally outlandish uh, Japanese guy decked out in the, most ridiculous plaid suit. Like if this movie was in color, I can guarantee that that plaid suit he was wearing would be yellow. Um, <laughs> um, comes in and he's like, Hey Sugata, why don't you try boxing? Cause all the Americans love boxing. And he's like, what the fuck is boxing? He's like, yeah, you just punch people. Americans <laughs> love it. And, and he's like, no, that's no, you know, martial arts, judo, jujitsu. These are all honorable things. And so, no, forget you. I'm not going to go boxing. And, and so now, yeah, there's, so there's this whole like quagmire going on where he's being egged to, you know, stand up for Japanese principles by beating the boxer, but the rules state that he cannot do martial arts for entertainment purposes or else he'll get banned. And also he's, you know, incredulous towards the whole idea of boxing because no, my sacred traditions. So it's like the exact opposite of what the first film was trying to say, where, you know, new ideas push forward. Now it's no, we have to be traditional, which is part of the propaganda. Um, not that not so much the anti-American propaganda, but that in general, Japanese propaganda, you know, no, we 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 are our traditions. We cannot break from them. We have to be our traditions. And so it, it just makes the second film a complete mess um, thematically, especially if you watch it right back to back, like both of us did. Um, but yeah, so the, 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 
at the end of the film, the two brothers, Higaki's brothers, they, okay, now it's time to show down. Like they just, they just keep showing up and disappearing at random. And then at the end they show up and they say, all right, we're finally going to throw down. And then there's like a 15 minute fight sequence that just the, the film materials themselves are so badly damaged. It was almost unwatchable. It's in the snow too. It, yeah, it, beautiful snow, but you can't tell who the people are because of the film damage. It, they're, they're, their bodies entirely become black silhouettes like 90% of the time, and occasionally like the color will the, – or the white contrast will bleed over. Yeah. It, it was very difficult to watch, but hey, that snowstorm is beautiful, man. Yeah, these, uh, these Criterion films are usually restored really well, but uh, when, when the source is like this, you probably can't get much – yeah, and you know, and I don't, I, 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 a part of me does not believe that Criterion put all these out DVD only all those years ago because they wanted to put more of them out. I, it, it's probably because the sources just aren't that good. Um, to to go along with the sources, real quick, um, this film is edited terribly, and I can't tell if it's Kurosawa, if someone who came in and for the government edited the film or if it's just the damage to the materials, but the editing is terrible. Um, like you'll, you'll see a person walking and it looks like there's like three or four cuts of the camera following them walking. Like they tripped or something and then they reshot it, but they just spliced it together. It, it doesn't look like editing. Um, it doesn't look like a single shot. It's just, it's really, really weird. Um, but yeah, so that's like the main idea. The Higaki brothers coming to get revenge for no reason. Um, Sugata being pressured to, to box the Americans because the Americans are so great. Cause it, this, this takes place, like I said earlier in 1887. So that's, you know, kind of like the height of the Meiji era where, um, Western influence was really starting to take a foothold in Japan. Um, you know, fans of Veroni Kenshin and everything, you'll you'll be familiar with the Meiji era and how, you know, you can't have swords out anymore, the the sword laws. Um j- just Japan was making this hard turn towards becoming Americanized. But yeah, no, the Americans are, are fiendish brutes that have no values or traditions. They just beat the shit out of each other. That's why boxing is amazing. Um it's 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 a really upsetting like I understand the propaganda, because yeah, it was the middle of World War fucking two, but it's like it. A good movie does it not make. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was better. Maybe it was like uh, couldn't find work or something, and then it's like, all right, I'll make this movie and I'll be able to work again. I don't know. Yeah, I wish, I wish, I, I wish I knew if the, the propaganda came from Kurosawa himself or if that was mandated by the studio or or by the government. Like that, that'll be interesting because, you know, I'm sure Kurosawa probably had some anti-American resentment back in that time. Yeah. I mean, that's that's understandable. Um, but I think it, it would just be beneficial to understand him as an artist if we knew where this uh, where the propaganda was coming from. Uh, maybe there's something in one of these books that that have been put out on Kurosawa. There might be. I haven't read any of them. There's a bunch of them out there. I only have the Compound Cinematics book, but... Is that the one that Vertical put out? Yep. Okay. Or one of them, they, they have several, don't they? I don't remember. I just remember there was the, a pretty big lead-up to one 
Kurosawa book that Vertical was releasing. I didn't know if they did any others before that. Um, this one, uh, this one starts at Rashomon and goes into Ikiru, Seven Samurai. Okay. And that's it. His golden period of 30 plus years. <laughs> <laughs> of his life. Alright. Well. Any final thoughts on Sanshiro Sugata part one and two? Watch the first one. Well, watch the second one too. Just don't expect much of it. Yeah. Uh, watch the second one for its historical, uh, historical, or its place in history. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It 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 did it didn't do much for me. I wonder if I might have liked it a little bit better if the uh, transfer and the restoration was was neater. Uh, but the whole propaganda and the fact that the story and the themes just don't gel. Yeah. It just whatever. Uh, well, all right. Shall we take a uh, shall we take a short break and then into welcome to the ballroom? <gasps> okay. 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 